Our scripture passage tonight is Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 41, and Beverly Smith is going to read that passage for us tonight. Hear these words, the word of God. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and, the, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Speak to us now, we pray. Again, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, that we may hear you, even the Spirit, speaking directly to us. In your holy name we pray it, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Suffering. I don't know anybody that likes suffering, do you? I want my life to be smooth, easy, pain-free. I don't want to be uncomfortable, inconvenienced, or even cold. Having a headache, a toothache, a backache is bad enough. I certainly don't want to be brutalized, tortured, or beat up. Still, the dominant symbol of our Christian faith is the cross. An ancient device used especially by the Romans for causing torture and pain and suffering and death. Seems a little strange that we should wear it as jewelry. Feels a little morbid that we should use crosses as decorations. We have one hanging in our sanctuary, two on the outside of our building. I have one in my office and another one at the house. Maybe you do too. You might have one in your home or maybe you're wearing one around your neck tonight. 
kind of like wearing an electric chair on a chain. The cross, an instrument of cruelty and torture, the symbol of our faith. It's baffling. But it was a cross that Jesus carried and clung to at Calvary. It was a cross that Jesus suffered on for you and me. It was on a cross that Jesus was hung out to die. And tonight is a time for us to remember and contemplate this fact. We have a God who is no stranger to suffering. We have a God who knows what it's like to feel pain. We have a God who understands rejection and grief and hurt and loss. We have a God who has entered into our suffering the pain of being human in a world of sin and brokenness and violence and death. What kind of a God would do such a thing? Kind of boggles the mind, doesn't it? It's bizarre, baffling, strange, unprecedented, to say the least. Neither Allah nor Buddha nor Brahman would stoop this low. What kind of a God would surrender and submit to suffering all the way unto death? Three things that we must remember about the suffering of Jesus tonight and always. Number one. Jesus' suffering was prophesied. Some 700 years or more before Jesus was even born, Isaiah, the prophet of the Old Testament, wrote these words in chapter 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, writes Isaiah, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verses 7 through 9 go on. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And then comes the punchline in verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. 
Amazing how detailed Isaiah's account of Christ's suffering is. And amazing that the whole thing was somehow entirely in God's plan. God ordained it. Jesus obeyed it. Willingly and voluntarily, Jesus took up the cross to himself. He knew he was born for this suicide mission that he would give his life as a ransom for many, that one man must suffer for the entire human race. It was yet all a part of a bigger plan. God is in charge here. And as difficult as it is to accept, Jesus' suffering was predicted, prophesied, and planned to the glory of God and for the salvation of you and me. By his wounds, we are healed The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. He was pierced for our transgressions. The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Amazing. Praise God. The suffering of Jesus was prophesied. Number two, the suffering of Jesus was painful. Mark 15, verses 33 through 34 tell us, At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the opening line of another prophecy from Psalm 22. Good Jews would have been familiar with this psalm and would have recognized it right away when Jesus spoke those words, the first line of it from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why have you forsaken me? Oh God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people, and all who see me mock me and hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off, O my strength. Come quickly to my help. Amazing once again how accurate the psalmist depicts the crucifixion of Jesus. Make no mistake about it, the pain that Jesus felt was real. It wasn't as if God the Father somehow shielded him from it. It wasn't as if Jesus and his divine power didn't really feel the pain that he was just sort of going through the motions. It wasn't like some miracle was taking place there protecting Jesus. 
that he was just sort of acting on the cross. Not at all. Not at all. Jesus in his humanity felt the pain and suffering he incurred in beatings, whipping, flogging, the piercing of his hands and feet, hanging on a rough-hewn old rugged cross with the skin and muscles of his bare back ripped open and bleeding, his shoulders most likely dislocated from their sockets in searing pain. The gasping for air, the racing of his heart, the crown of thorns on his head, the blood running, flowing down his body and hanging in naked humiliation on a cross for all to see. And to this, add to this the mental and emotional distress the distancing from God the Father at the moment of death when the sins of the entire world were, were laid on Him and God who is holy had to turn his, his face from Him. No wonder Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, this is not Hollywood. It's real pain. And we need to remember tonight and always that Jesus' suffering was real and brutal and physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, excruciating, literally out of the cross, and extremely painful more than any of us will ever experience. Jesus' suffering was prophesied. Jesus' suffering was painful. Jesus' suffering was personal. Again, in Mark 15, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. It touched his heart. Some women were watching from a distance, and among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had, father, had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. From the centurion's confession, the two Marys, the friends of Jesus and the other women who were present, the suffering and death of Jesus was personal. It was personal for them, and it's personal for us, for you. It had a deeply personal effect on those who witnessed it, and it continues to have a deeply personal effect on those who remember it and acknowledge and commemorate its truth, as we are here tonight to do. It's what we'll do in just a few minutes in the celebration of the sacrament of Holy Communion. We'll remember and reenact the Last Supper of Jesus with His disciples. The fact of the matter is, Jesus suffered for us. To put a point on it, Jesus died for you. You are the reason He carried that cross. You are the reason he was whipped and beaten and bled. You are the reason he hung dying in the rain. You are the reason he was pierced and suffered and died. The truth is, Jesus 
took your place on the cross. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Furthermore, that the wages of our sin is death. You and I deserve the death penalty. It should have been me on that cross. It should have been you on that cross. But Jesus stepped in willingly to take your place. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. John 15, Greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. And that is what we are. Friends. Jesus, a friend of sinner. Hebrews 7, 27 says he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. It's amazing. We have a God who loves you so much that he would rather die sending his son Jesus to, to suffer horrifically on the cross than to live without you for all eternity. I don't know how you look at that and not be affected. I don't know how you consider this truth and, and not be moved. I don't know how you look at a blood-stained cross and not see it. Make no mistake, this is deeply personal. God loves you. Jesus died for you. It's all about you. Has anyone else ever given his or her life that you might live? Has anyone else shed his or her blood to cover your sins? Is there any other man or any other God who would ever do such a thing? No. Saved by Jesus. Jesus' offering was prophesied. It was painful. And it was personal for you. Jesus went to the cross with you in mind. So on this night, let us again consider the cross. Let us take a good, hard look at it. Not so much the barren resurrection cross, but at the cross with Jesus still on it. Consider this cross. Consider the cost. Consider the blood that was shed there for you and me. And consider the love of a God who sent his son to die. Ponder this deeply and let it move you. Take it all the way into your heart and soul. Let it sink in, marinate in this truth. And may you well up with praise and thanksgiving and maybe even a tear and gratitude for the suffering of Jesus is your salvation.
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not die but have everlasting life. Believe this gospel and live forever with God in paradise. Lord, we come to you tonight kind of reminded of your sacrifice. Reminded, Lord, of what you have done. Reminded, Lord, of your great, great love for us. And so, God, would you come? Would you speak to us now? Would you soften and tenderize our hearts? Would you allow us to be touched and moved by the very sacrifice of Jesus? In whose name we may pray. Amen.